630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. Rebound comes off the boards, two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net, back hitter to its side, scores! Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game in overtime! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. He was the greatest of all time. Muhammad Ali passing away on Friday. His funeral will be this coming Friday. And tonight we remember him. We talk about his impact. If there's ever going to be anybody else like him, I don't think we want anybody else like him. We need to celebrate his uniqueness. We'll also talk to a man who got to interview Ali. Brian Hall joins us tonight as we move through the opening hour of Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6.07. Good to be back on the air. Preempted yesterday for the hockey game. We will have a show tomorrow. No show again on Thursday. Will that be the night the Pittsburgh Penguins bring home Stanley Cup number four? Six o'clock face-off Thursday right here on 6.30. Chet. also tonight we'll get the latest update from Edmonton Eskimos camp with Morley Scott. We'll talk more about the Cup final with Gord Stellick from the NHL on Rogers. And Tim Hunter is going to join us. You probably didn't like him very much as a Calgary Flame. He's now the head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors and he's going to be on the coaching staff for Canada's national junior team. Of course, you can always reach us by texting 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, and if you still use old-fashioned email, it's insidesports at 630ched.com. This man is going to whoop George Fullman, and I'm going to whoop him of all places in Africa, in the Congo, where the Lumumba boys are. Don't fight in your home territory. You couldn't be any happier the way this is coming up in September. Why would you call Africa my home territory? You've been telling me that for 10 years. That's right, and if you come over there talking like that, we'll cook you. <laughs> all right. A little bit of Muhammad Ali there. Man, the guy. Can you imagine that? Can you can you imagine a guy in a in a team sport speaking anything like that? I mean, I guess there are some outgoing guys, some cocky guys. I don't know if anybody ever uh, took it that far. And at the time, I mean, in, in the '60s when he's coming up, jumped into the relatively new medium of television, and of being able to interviewed and building being interviewed and building up that relationship with Howard Cosell and some of their verbal sparring or whatever you want to call it. I, I mean, just the the perfect guy at the perfect time and it, it is interesting some of the things that that Ali got away with saying oh, in a, a paper actually this week that uh, you've been voted sports personality of the world does that surprise you yes it do because uh, of the world that's a big thing to be you know the uh, number one man in the world and all I had to do was to go out and beat a man who had no skill no class <laughs> 
Seriously, the man had no skill. I don't know why the world is so foolish to believe in him and think that I wasn't going to win. He only beat Joe Frazier, who was fattened off that night. He fought a Ken Norton, a fellow who was frightened, fought me, but they wouldn't fight him. Uh, Joe King Roman, the Puerto Rican champion in Japan, who had no skill. He's never been over t five rounds in the past ten years. The man fights like a woman. He's wild, no class, no size, and, and ugly, and I just don't know why they think I'm so Oh, I'm so great now because I'd be George Foreman. He wasn't nothing no way. They underestimated him. I tried to tell you he wasn't nothing. So now they rank me the best athlete in the world. I mean, I would say that uh, if they would say over all that I've done, if they're saying since I've been in the ring, I would say they're right. But I don't think just over winning that fight, they should make me the man of the year. Can, can you imagine the Pittsburgh Penguins saying that if they win the Stanley Cup on Thursday? Why don't I see what the big deal is all we did was beat a team that uh, isn't isn't very good, doesn't skate very fast, isn't as tough as us, and they don't have as good a coach. That's all we did. What's the big deal? <laughs> can, can you imagine somebody pulling it off nowadays? The George Foreman he's talking about there. Matthew Panashik is our studio producer on the other side of the window. So George Foreman has no skill. He has no class. He fights like a woman. Can you can you imagine if an athlete said that these days? I think the league You'd would be fine. Them. You'd be fine. You might even be suspended. He even called them ugly. He, I mean, Ali just kept dishing it out, and I mean, promoting himself obviously in the uh, as he was doing this, but building up that brashness, building up that aura around him, and he, he was able to take advantage of the cameras, of the microphones, and, and you heard people laughing there. And there was a certain humor to it, but, I mean, he wanted to insult. I mean, you read stuff about him and Joe Fraser. Joe Fraser's camp would get mad at Ali, all the gorilla comments, all that kind of stuff, right? And that, that's the interesting thing about Ali. We, we, remember, we remember him, I mean, certainly for me, Matthew, I was born in 1974. I, I remember hearing about Muhammad Ali as a very young man, but he was at the tail end of his career. He finished... Uh, with a record of 56 and five, he he fought four times after he turned 36. Though he lost three of the four, so when he's sort of more or less in his prime, he goes 55 and two, not bad. But but by the time I was a kid, he was at the tail end, and then he retired, and then obviously, I mean, he's he's had Parkinson's, right? Been battling Parkinson's. He was was battling Parkinson's for about 30 years uh, before passing away four days ago. So. A guy, that, an athlete, a great athlete that you heard, you, you just knew about. I mean, you're, you're younger than me, Matthew, but Muhammad Ali, who doesn't know about him? His, his greatness and the way he carried himself, the, the rhyming, the way he would speak, the way he would conduct himself during interviews. I saw Sonny Liston a few days ago, Cash. Ain't he ugly? <laughs> he... He's too ugly to be the world champ. The world champ should be pretty like me. Well, he told me to bet my life that you wouldn't go three rounds. Well, if you want to lose your money, then bet on Sunday. Oh, uh, may I ask you because this? Because I'll never lose a fight. It's impossible. Tell him. It's impossible. Never lost a fight in your life. Ask any of my fans when was the last time they lost. I'm too fast. Champion from I'm the, the crib. I'm the king. Born the champ. Born the champ from the crib. Ah! I predict that he will go in eight to prove that I am great. And if he want to go to heaven, I'll get him in seven. He'll be in the worst of fix if I cut it to six. And if he keeps talking jive, I'll cut it to five. Oh, man. Uh, can you, can you, Matthew, 
the athletes today that carry themselves, and I, I don't think there is anybody in this day and age except maybe professional wrestlers. I mean, it certainly still exists in boxing and UFC, the intimidation, the trash talk. It, it certainly doesn't exist to that extent in team sports. Would you generally agree with that? When a guy says something in a team sport, right, unless maybe he's a veteran or he's a Charles Barkley type that has carried that persona with him through his whole career, you pretty much, it pretty much, you know, you try, you try not to say anything that riles up the competition. Ali was all about riling up the competition. He was all about riling up the fans. But I mean, in this day and age, guys like that are going to be hated, right? Oh, I would think so, Reed. People wouldn't. People do not like guys that put up bulletin board material these days. And that's all he really did was put up bulletin board material. No, he backed it up. He that's did. the thing. In, in 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 arguably the most difficult sport of them all, and let's face it, the popularity of boxing is nowhere near what it was when Ali was fighting primarily in the 60s and the 70s, right? I mean, he's fighting uh, Fraser, Foreman, Liston, Norton, a whole bunch of great heavyweights at that time. I mean, I think a lot of people listening today would probably struggle to name uh, four or five heavyweights in today's era uh, like I did just now. But the, the comments that, you know, are, are offensive or borderline <laughs> offensive – all, all that part of that incredible personality. Now, the the thing that interests me is he he did that, and that's all in the spirit of competition. But a guy who who stood up politically for what he believed in, politically and religiously, quite frankly, he converts to Islam. Right? His name was Cassius Clay. He changes his name to Muhammad Ali, and of course, he gave up that prime chunk of his career when he refused to. You know, enlist in the army upon, yeah, he was upon being drafted, right? And and this is this is an interesting thing, and and I think it's reflective of, of such a, a a different time. Certainly, America would have been in turmoil in that time, divided racially, divided with uh, uh, the, the thoughts on on the on the war and, and and politics and all that kind of stuff. I I'm wondering in this day and age, and people can text six thirty six thirty. Do you actually want? your athletes to to stand up for what they believe in more morally or or politically do you expect that do you expect them to do that or would that make you uncomfortable if an athlete maybe on a team you cheered for or liked in an individual sport would you even want an athlete to do that a do you think athletes are qualified to do it right i mean let, let's face it matthew when you want an opinion on something politically on something political moral or whatever we generally don't turn to people of the sports world because we assume i think we assume you can tell me if i'm wrong but i think we assume that they're not going to be as informed even though there are plenty of athletes in a variety of sports at a variety of levels that are pretty smart guys and do take interest in that stuff but i think we stereotype them a little bit and we say ah you know athletes if an athlete has an opinion on this he's probably no, not the most informed guy in the world then my uh, a further thing to this is I, I wonder, you know, and, and we, we have seen it probably more so in the United States where certain athletes might endorse a political candidate or, or, or whatever. Um, how lenient would the general public, would, would Joe and Jane fan be with an athlete who maybe went out on a limb on a subject that maybe wasn't popular in the region he lived in? And I mean, I'm not talking about taken a stance against drunk driving or against domestic violence. I mean, I think these are things most of us agree on. I mean, what if there was an Edmonton-based athlete 
and I'm not going to use any names for hypotheticals because I don't want to confuse anybody here. But but let's 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 say there was an Edmonton athlete who came out. Uh, I I don't know who 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 said I I don't support the oil sands. I think it's bad. I think it's wrecking the environment. I think things have to change. I think the way we we mine the earth is 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 wrong. I think it's damaging. Could you still cheer for that guy? In this in this province, would he would he be able to have that opinion, and still be supported as a member of whatever team? You know what I mean? Like Ali wasn't afraid to put himself out there. I don't. Could an athlete really survive that in this day and age with all the social media, with everything being reported instantaneous, with with how easy it is to hate somebody, right? I'm going to post on Facebook. I'm going to tweet that I don't like this guy. Let's not support this guy. Let's let's boo this guy. Whatever. I wonder if I wonder if a, if if a, if an athlete in Alberta could could openly take a stand that didn't align with the province, the the majority politically, morally, whatever you want to call it. And that's what interests me about Ali at a, a time where it was a, a divided country all, along a lot of different lines. And he still was able to put himself out there and take the heat and do what he felt was right uh, on, on religious and moral, moral and political grounds. Not an easy thing to do. Keep going with this. Brian Hall is coming up with his memory of his interview with Muhammad Ali as well. Phone lines are open 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Ched. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, it's 622. The Blue Jays are leading Detroit. 1-0. That was in the uh, top of the fifth. We'll keep you updated on that one throughout the evening. Uh, what do we got, Matthew? No NBA until tomorrow. And uh, no hockey until Thursday. Funny story about the uh, NFL Twitter account. Kind of a dark story in a way, too, I guess. We'll get to that later on uh, on the show. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Brian Hall with memories of his interview with Muhammad Ali coming up after the 630 News. couple of uh, texts coming into 630, 630, and some tweets to my account I want to catch up on. Uh, this texter says, I don't see a name on them. Sign your first name if you can, too. That'd be, uh, be great to at least know the yeah, first name of the person I'm giving credit to here. This individual says, uh, athletes should either stick to their sport and keep their mouths shut or be prepared to back up their beliefs with conviction like Ali did. What I'm tired of is hearing athletes spout their opinions about everything and everyone because they think their opinion matters. It only matters with action. Uh, James says Ali wasn't even allowed to eat in some restaurants in his hometown. Well, that, that's a great thing to remember. I mean, the, the uh, and I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't race issues in the world today because there are, but but certainly I think the level of acceptable and institutionalized racism, especially south of the border, was a lot higher than it is today. Uh, some tweets as well. Higgs Detorsion says. Ali made a stand for peace, not war. He built bridges, didn't tear them down. Ali fought for civil rights, not segregation. Higgs Distortion goes on to say, so I guess I'm saying if you are a right-wing nut bar like Tim Thomas or Kurt Schelling, I won't cheer for you. I would have cheered for Fraser. Ali deserved criticism during that time period, but was coddled by the media and the public. Uh, there's no definite concrete answer for me. It all depends on the situation. Mike Murphy, who is from Kentucky, 
tweeting me. He says, unfortunately, it's a Louisville thing to talk like that, especially from that era. And I don't even know if I'm saying Louisville right. Is it Louisville? Louisville? Not Louisville? Michael, tell me. Now, another, another fascinating thing about, uh, about Ali and, and standing up for what you believe in. you got to remember, he was 29-0. and 0. He, he refuses to join the military. He gets suspended from boxing. So from the time he had just turned 25 until the time he was almost 29, he did not fight. Most people will tell you those are pretty good years for an athlete. And it, and it got me thinking about the strength of, of that conviction. And what's, what's one of his famous quotes? Man, I ain't got no quarrel with them Viet Cong. The, when it, but when it really came down to it, and, and think of the level he's at. He's at the highest level of what at that time was one of the most popular sports in the world. And the heavyweight champion of the world has always carried cachet with it, don't get me wrong. But it, it, it would have been, I, I would think it would have been a more tight, important title then th- than it was now. And, and carried more clout. And, I mean, we're talking... The, the Super Bowl didn't even exist. So he's, he's a 25-year-old champion, and he gives up almost four years of his life because he so strongly believes in this. And I wonder when the chips are down, how many of us would actually do that, even on a much smaller scale? And you know what? What 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 do you if if you're a parent? What do you tell your son or your daughter? If you're a, if you you what do you tell your best friend or a sibling, or a coworker when they're challenged or when you you're trying to teach them about challenges in their life? Stand up for what you believe in, right? Stand up for what you believe in. Don't back down. Do what you feel is right. Don't let anybody push you around. But ask yourself if the chips were down. You know what? What if? What if you had a buddy who had a really good job, and it was a job he loved, and it was a job he'd worked hard to obtain, and he was fairly well paid for it, and he'd been, you know, upset about a situation at work, and he felt things weren't being done right in his workplace, in his company, or whatever, and he was complaining about it to you a lot, and he was torn about it, and he didn't know what to do, um, you know, but you knew he loved that job, and he cared, and you, and you knew he made a decent amount of money. What if he said to you one day, yeah, you know what? I, I just I just can't work for this place anymore. I'm gonna quit. Would you say, yep, you got to do that. You got to quit, or would you say, hold on, buddy, we all need to work. Uh, you need to pay your mortgage. That's you know a decent paycheck to walk away from. Are you sure you could do that? Could you do that yourself? Confronted with something you weren't comfortable with, depending on the magnitude of it. But I mean, think of Ali actually giving up the heavyweight championship of the world. I mean, could you could you allow a loved one to do that? Now, the circumstances there where he's got to go off to war, so he's putting himself in obviously a different sort of danger than he would have been in the ring. But just thinking about the magnitude of what he gave up because of what he believed in. And I wonder how many of us are confronted with situations in our daily lives do deep down do we have those convictions could we encourage others to have those convictions ali got me thinking about that you can text 63630 uh yellowhead drinker has sent me a very humorous text 
I don't know if I'm going to get to that one, though. 780-496-0063. Halsey next. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. until I'm about 50 years old. Right. Then you might get me. I told you, I'm the real champion. I told you, I'm the champion of the world. All of your ball, all of my critics crawl. Is Joe Frazier. They still think Joe Frazier can beat me. And I got his conscience right here to keep me on guard. See, see, here's the way he looks when you hit it. A little more from Muhammad Ali, who passed away on Friday. His funeral will be this coming Friday. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 6:30. Chet, it is 6:35. Uh, certainly a, a uh, an athlete, maybe one of the first to really use the media to get himself noticed, to uh, talk to opponents through the media, and one guy who got to interview. Muhammad Ali is our very own Brian Hall, the sports director here at 630 Chat. Halsey, thanks for coming on the show, man. How are you doing? Hey, it's my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. All right. So it, it, take me back here, Halsey. First of all, when was this that you got to meet Muhammad Ali? Well, you remember what happened with Muhammad. He was a conscientious objector of the Vietnam War, and for that, he was stripped of his title. He was stripped of everything. He couldn't fight in the United States, exiled for three years, you know, all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, he faced maybe five years in prison. And that was eventually all of that was settled by the Supreme Court. And then he uh, went on and won the championship against Foreman in the early 70s. But he, he, he started barnstorming around different areas, and he came into Edmonton with his trainer, Angelo Dundee. And uh, I was fortunate enough when I was working at another station, and uh, we had the type of uh, format that we have here at 6.30 Ched. And I had a Sunday morning show called The Topic of Sport. It was about 35 minutes long. And Angelo Dundee and uh, Muhammad Ali said, absolutely, we'll come on the show. So they came in, and my late friend, uh, my pal Henry Singer and I, uh, we did that show on Sunday mornings. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it was, I can tell you, something very memorable. And unfortunately, you know, I would be able to play some of this for you and let you have it. And I have played it over the years, and uh, people absolutely love it because he was so terrific. The things that he talked about, Reed, on that show, much different uh, than some of the things that we've been hearing and seeing over the past uh, several days since he, since he uh, you know, went on uh, his death in, uh, in, uh, on Friday at the age of 74. But, uh, no, he was terrific. And as I said, I've interviewed a lot of people over many, many, many years, decades of sport. But uh, his was certainly maybe perhaps the most memorable. Uh, there's a few others up there with him. But, uh, you know, I don't think that he was the greatest fighter. Not for me was he the greatest fighter. But he was around at the right time. He was around at the time of, of uh, you know, uh, 
the social issues in the United States. There was still uh, the, 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 the happening with the, the whites and the blacks and uh, segregation and all of those things. And, and he stood up and he talked about that. He talked about all types of issues, not just boxing. And he was a showman. I mean, that's what he was. He was a showman who happened to fight. He had the hands of a lightweight, the speed of a lightweight, but he could punch and he could also, with the body of a heavyweight, hang in there. He won the Olympic title, as a matter of fact, as a light heavyweight. But uh, he, he uh, to me, was not the best fighter. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Joe Lewis fan. The, the, you know, the Brown Bomber was absolutely marvelous for me. But, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Ali. He uh, was the greatest for many, many reasons, but for me, not just as a boxer. Yeah. Well, in terms of that interview, Halsey, I mean, what was it like just being in the same room as him? I mean, he carried all that fame and brashness and the reputation with him. What, what was it like to be in the room with him and, and actually to, even just to meet him before the interview got started? Well, it was just like being with any other entertainer. You know, I mean, he's just a human being after all. You know, he's not some superhuman happening. He's just a, another guy, another human being. But he, you know, he had the stick. He got it from George's, uh, George's, uh, uh, George, the, the the wrestler. You know, he saw yeah. him and he, he looked and he said, this is a good idea. And, he, you know, and he ran with it. And, I mean, he did that type of thing. He knew that that was it. I mean, he teamed up with Howard Cosell, ABC. Cosell was terrific. They played off of one another. They were absolutely marvelous with one another. And they had a shtick going with one another. You know, he was always Ali after the toupee. What terrible toupees worn by Howard Cosell. But, uh, you know, Ali was always after him, to, you know, joking. I'm going to get that. I'm going to rip that off you, huh? You know, and, and he would make a lunge at him, and Howard would back away, and, and you know, people would laugh. And so, I mean, that, that's what it was. I mean, it was, it was showbiz. That, that's really what it was. It was showbiz. But uh, they were great fights, the fights with uh, Frazier, the three fights that he had. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, it, for me, Reed, I, I, I haven't seen or heard anything from George Chevallo, and I wonder why. You know, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't people try to get a hold of George Chevallo and ask him for a comment? He had two great fights with Ali. Ali could not knock him down. Nobody could knock down George. He had 93 bouts, and nobody ever knocked him off his feet. And the first bout went 15 rounds, and the second bout went uh, uh, 12 rounds. That was the one in Vancouver after they fought at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. I mean, it was, uh, you know, but I haven't heard anything from Chevallo, and I don't know why. Yeah, I'm not sure about that e either, Halsey. I, I, I know uh, I know we're endeavoring to talk to him too, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, Chevallo's 78 years of age, going to turn 79 in, in a couple of months. Brian Hall joining us inside Sports on 6:30. Chad, of course. You uh, know those guys. Those, Reed, if I can interject, both of them, Chevallo and Ali, had very different lives away from the uh, from the ring. You know that, eh? I mean, Chevallo was a tragic, tragic story about his three sons, and they committed suicide. They got involved with drugs and things. I mean, it was just, just a, a horrible story. And uh, of course, for Ali, married four times, nine children, had all kinds. But Lonnie is uh, his uh, widow now, uh, has taken over with the power of attorney that she had, and that, and she's kind of straightened up. You know, from standpoint of what had to be straightened out with him, but uh, you know, they 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 had he had a life of turmoil away from the ring at times. You know, just the same as as Chevallo, a tragic story. Yeah, Halsey, I, I want to ask you because I I've played some some clips here uh, throughout the first forty minutes of the show of Ali from his career. Uh, I, I mean, you, you heard the the gorilla comment uh, about George Foreman. He says he fights like a woman. He called a lot of his opponents uh, 
ugly. Pro- probably a lot of stuff you you wouldn't necessarily be encouraged to say nowadays, uh, so to no, speak. No, no, we, no, 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 no. That was all. That was all part of the stick. But that it can, was the show. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. And everything. You know, it was different in those days than it is now. You know, you can't. You, what's socially acceptable now and what was then? I mean, it was different. Like when we were going, when I was going to school. Heck, we used to. We used to. Well, I had my best friends. Uh, you know, were were uh, Jewish and black, and and uh, and uh, they were Italian and so on. And we used to call them all by different names, and they'd call. And it was all. You know, I mean, people didn't get their nose bent out of joint about it like they do today. So that's why he was able to do it at that time. But I'll tell you one thing: is that uh, Fraser actually really did not like did not like Cassius Clay, yeah. and he would not and he would not call him. He would not call him, you know. He, and Floyd Patterson, as an example, would not call him Muhammad Ali. He insisted on calling him Cassius Clay. And, uh, you know, there's stories about how they made up and then they wound up hugging one another and so on and so forth. But Frazier really, really sincerely had a dislike for Muhammad Ali. There's no doubt about that because of the things Ali said about him. Yeah, well, you're right, and Fraser's the one and his his entourage that they often really objected to stuff. But Halsey, I mean, like you said, for was there a showbiz element to it for Ali? Sure, but I think clearly there was also a competitive advantage because sometimes an opponent who is angry or distracted isn't that good. So I think Ali was being very manipulative with some of those comments as well towards certain opponents. Now, I think if you were an opponent, except for Frazier, because he, what did he call him? He called him a, a gorilla and stuff like that. He, you know, he, he called him like a monkey, you know, that kind of, that he, he really didn't like that, Frazier. He really didn't like that. But, you know, guys aren't going to fall for that other stuff. They're not going to fall for that, for those comments and get, them, get themselves upset because they know what the other guy's trying to do is trying to intimidate him. So, no, nah, that wouldn't bother them, not at all. But what Ali had was the, was the great feat of course, and then he had the rope a dope thing that he won the title off of from Foreman, and uh, you know that that th- those were the things that really made it for Ali the rope a dope and uh, the things with Howard Cosell and the things that he would say about other people and uh, you know all of that. But uh, no, that was just that that was all showbiz. As I said, I don't think he was the, the the best fighter I ever saw, but he was pretty doggone good. There's no question about that. But he took a terrible pounding. And I think they they figured out he figured out that he took something like twenty nine thousand punches. I mean that's that's a that's Jeez. a ton. That's a ton. And you know it's it it was the Parkinson's syndrome they called it. They didn't say he had Parkinson's disease. They said he had Parkinson's syndrome. And there are those who said it was caused the Parkinson's syndrome because of the pounding that he took over the years in the ring. All right, Halsey. Just to just to wrap it up on that on the on the day you did that interview. Yeah. Uh, is, is there something specific that you remember him saying or or doing that still sticks with you? No, because no, because it, it was Angelo Dundee was with him, and Angelo told the story about how he how he met Ali Cassius Clay at the time. Yeah, and 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 he talked about how he how he met him, and Cassius talked about you know uh, being down with the poor people and et cetera and, and and that aspect of his life, and he talked about a number of other things and talked about how he got the stick with Gorgeous George. And you know all these areas that he talked about. It, it was it was so different from from the norm. It wasn't just about it wasn't about fighting. It was about life. It was about social issues. It was about him and how he you know how he felt.
called about life and so on and about people and being with the poor people. He always talked about being with the poor people and, you know, things, uh, things like that. And, you know, I mean, he, listen, he had everything arranged. It's, I mean, he even arranged his own funeral. So, I mean, th- this was Muhammad Ali. This was Cassius Marcellus Clay. That's a slave name. And, uh, you know, he got rid of that and he got involved with people like Malcolm X. He was around at that time. I mean, in history, I mean, he was around at the right time and all the things that went on. And uh, ABC carried all of his fights, and that was how he got hooked up with Howard Cosell. And, I mean, these were all the things. It was him, the man, and the social issues more than it was really as a fighter. I, I, I don't think of it, talk about him as a fighter. I talk about him with the other issues about a human being. That's it. When you say, how did I feel about him being in the room? Well, I felt like I feel with any other uh, uh, prominent person that I'm with and I meet. You know, I mean, I, I spent an afternoon... Uh, with Sir Edmund Hillary and and Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon, and Sir Edmund Hillary, the first man to you know conquer Mount Everest. I you know I I talked with them and so on, and spent an afternoon with them. I mean those are pretty those are pretty fabulous accomplishments, you know. So I as I said, I've talked with a lot of people, but because of of his personality, that's what that's what made Cassius Clay. It was his personality, his showmanship. So anyway, that's it, and. Uh, It'll be a big show on Friday. There's no question. You know, it's a private thing that they're having on Thursday, but Friday will be the one for the public. And like for Ali, he'll go out with, uh, you know, another big show. Halsey, thank you so much for making time for Inside Sports, man. It's always great to have you on the show. Really appreciate your memories tonight. Thank you, Ray. That is Brian Hall, sports director here at 630. Ched, wow, that was great. Got to interview Muhammad Ali, and uh, yeah, I mean, a guy unlike me, Halsey, was uh, was covering sports and watching uh, Ali's career unfold. You can text 630-630. We have a little open line time if you're inclined to call 780-496-0063. Some interesting texts. Some of you calling Muhammad Ali a great man. A couple of you calling him a coward. We'll get to that when we come back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. 651 Inside Sports on 630 Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. How are you doing tonight? Hope you had a great day. Another hot one out there. That's always good. Matthew Panashik working hard on the other side of the window. Matthew, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, Reed. We're going to talk a little golf later on. I hope you're ready for that. Sounds good. All right. Uh, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Great to have Brian Hall on the show. The man can talk. I don't know if you noticed that. I think that was the first evidence we've ever seen that Brian Hall can carry a conversation pretty much by himself. Good stuff, though. Uh, I just want to read a few things to 630-630. Some interesting comments about Muhammad Ali. Uh, Stan says, my favorite Ali quote, the draft is about the white man sending the black man to fight the yellow man to protect the land they stole from the red man. Stan says he was so right. Uh, Another texter says, hold on here. Ali absolutely supported segregation, especially at a time when he wasn't allowed in restaurants in his own town. He was an amazing man, but not perfect. Martin says, I heard a great Ali quote today. The waiter said, we don't serve Negroes here. I told him, that's okay, I don't eat them. 
That's from Martin. Uh, Woody says, Muhammad Ali was a draft dodger. There is no honor in that. Kirk says, I think we hero worship Muhammad Ali too much. He had four failed marriages. His family life was terrible, and his parents were devastated that he converted to Islam. That's from Kirk. Uh, getting a lot of text here. Just some of the highlights there coming in to, to 6.30, 6.30. You know, what Halsey said there in that interview, that it, it was a, there was a showbiz element to Muhammad Ali, and he understood from that point of view how to make himself stand out in terms of basically marketing himself. And when it comes to, I think, especially an individual sport like, like boxing, that is part of it. Then there, then there's the part of his life where he made himself stand out because, you, you know, as is a big part of his story, he he refused to be drafted into the military. He refused to go fight in, in Vietnam. Some people would define that, as a couple textures have, as lacking in honor. I'm sure others of you would define that as as courageous and and courageous because he stuck to what he believed in and he gave up his career and again at that time he was on top of the world literally as the heavyweight champ he he gave all that up because that's how strongly he believed in it now i realize i come from a generation and i'm speaking to many generations that that never faced any sort of mandatory military service or 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 uh, you know conscription or, or being drafted or anything like that um but that is part of Ali's story. In my mind, that doesn't make him a bad or dishonorable human being, but clearly some people disagree. Uh, I'm going to get to Tony on the phone line in a second here. Just want to find this other text here. Oh, man, I lost it, but it was a good one. Basically, there was a texter saying that uh, Muhammad Ali had... Uh, oh, the I read that one, that he had four failed marriages and that kind of stuff. That that's another interesting point to me. If you have a favorite athlete, is it that athlete's responsibility to be a role model? Do do you need to agree with the way athletes live their lives uh, uh, away from the ring, the rink, the field, or whatever? Uh, Yellowhead drinker texting in again. He says, "I'm fine with Andrew Ference." hugging trees, or Tom Brady supporting Donald Trump. I'm not okay with Slava Voinov beating his wife. Political beliefs seem like an easy enough thing to reconcile, but true morality and action contrary to that seems hard. So Yellowhead Drinker is saying if he cheers for player X and he, you know, supports a different political candidate or maybe takes a different social stance, he's okay with that. Once you get into crimes, then Yellowhead Drinker is no longer along for the ride. We got Tony seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Go ahead, Tony. Hi, Reed. Go ahead. Uh, just about the, some of the negative stuff about Ali. Uh, obviously, hopefully, they're from a younger generation because he was a, like a real hero, and he was uh, universally loved. He, even at one time, his picture, along with Jesus Christ, I think, was the most recognizable on the earth. You could have brought it anywhere, and they knew who he was. And uh, I guess that's about it because he was way ahead of the, the, his time and the curve too, eh? And like he was an ambassador, a goodwill ambassador for the globe, actually, a great man. It's just funny to hear these things, but you know the young people today feel sorry because all they got is comic books and they got their games with their thumbs and stuff like that. 
And some of their heroes, you know, on the television you find, not the greatest, but uh, he was a great man at, at a great time. Tony, thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Still one nothing for the Blue Jays. It's the top of the seventh in Detroit. Dwayne is on line two. Dwayne, you're on with Reed. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. You know, I think this hero worship stuff is way too... It's too far. You know, these are regular human beings. We shouldn't be uh, worshiping them as heroes. They're just... That's their job. They get paid to play sports. I mean... Does it make them any better than anybody else? No, it makes them a better athlete. Does it make them a better person? You know, well, and the, the, I guess the thing is, Dwayne. I mean, you're right. They they are people, and I and, and like Hall. I mean, I never got to interview Muhammad Ali, but I mean, I interview people who would be considered quote unquote famous. But I I approach them as as people that I have to talk to. You can't be in awe of them. I guess the thing is, a lot. I think especially a lot of kids will look up to athletes, whether you as a parent would want it or not. Right, so I think maybe a lot of people would hope, man. I know my kid likes whoever, so I hope that you know whether I wanted to or not, the kid is looking to this athlete as a role model. You know, and it, the funny thing is, is that when they do make mistakes as regular human beings, they get vilified for making mistakes. And do you get vilified for it? Do I? No. It's just another day to us. Well, if I, I think if I committed a crime, I would be Dwayne. Well. Yeah, I know that, but, you know, you make a mistake. Right. Like, they, like you're talking like an everyday gaffe like or something. an everyday mistake, you know? Like, it's like uh, like if somebody gets caught cheating on their wife, right? That's not cool at all, but life goes on. But if an athlete or somebody famous gets caught cheating on their wife, holy crap, there is just nothing but paparazzi and news and news and news. You know what? Who who cares? I wonder if there are any pro golfers that said that that's ever happened to Dwayne. Hmm, let me think. <laughs> Dwayne, thanks for calling, man. Have a good one. Okay, and I also got to get Greg in before we get to the news. Greg, you got about 45 seconds, buddy. Go ahead. I just wanted to say, uh, I think everyone maybe remembers Pat Tillman, the football player who went to Iraq and died. Yep. And uh, it's funny because we see Ali as a hero and we see Tillman as a hero. And they're both the exact opposite, almost the antithesis to each other. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I think I find both of them to be heroes. And it's, I think we have to think about the way we think about things. One last thing, too. I also think that Ali would have given up three and a half years of his prime either way because he would have had to go to war. Well, you're right, Sonny, and he could have been killed, obviously, so, yeah. Well, not even. I'm not saying he did it. I, maybe he did it for the religious reasons, but thanks for taking my call. I know you're in a hurry. No, that's okay, Greg. Really appreciate it. Good point about uh, Tillman and Ali. Uh, may, maybe for some of you, you don't, you, 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 you don't necessarily care what people believe in. You just admire if they do what they believe in. You can keep the text coming to 630-630. We will weave in thoughts on this as we move along. We do want to get to a little thing called the Stanley Cup Final because it could be ending in about 50 hours from now. Gord Stellick up next on Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.